Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. This is the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCal Val. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. This is Holiday. This is Steve Young. E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. Hello, everybody! Welcome to the 96th episode, the 96th edition of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle of the whole ref and show. My name, of course, Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And where I come from, I grew up listening to a radio station called Power 96. So that's what I'm going to call this episode, Power 96. All right. Well, I'm not calling it that. Uh... <laughs> Your loss, Perry. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, And and your gain, Darren. Your gain. Hey, hey, Perry. Well, it seems like it's been forever since we sat here and chatted. Like, and it hasn't. It hasn't been. But it seems that way. It's it's great to see your your lovely face. You're a beautiful man. Yeah, it's good to see you again. Uh, You likewise. I think you're a very beautiful man as well. Because um, we don't talk unless it's about wrestling, and we, we only we're, we're such good friends that we only communicate when we're recording this uh, podcast. You're listening to folks, and uh, that's sad but true. That's a uh, Rolling Stones song. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, it's it's uh, it's been a little while, not that long, but a little while. We did unfortunately miss last week's episode, and you hardcore fans know that. You, uh, you softcore fans probably, uh, well, if you're a fan of softcore, you might have been doing something else. But, uh, uh, yeah, you probably noticed that. We did miss last week's uh, episode. We apologize, folks. We don't like for that to happen. It's only happened, I think, that's maybe the third or fourth time we've let that happen. The one time it happened, we crammed in a whole extra show into the week to make up for it. So, we're not doing that this week. But, (laughs) just know that once we really cared a lot. Well, we try not to slip because when we because if we slip, then we're slipping. This is true. This is very very true. So uh, this this episode's jam packed. We uh, we we brought this upon ourselves. There's a lot we got to cover, uh, including unfortunately. Yeah, we, we packed a lot of jam in it. We packed a lot of jelly, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, unfortunately, we do have to report on the loss of Jim the Anvil Neidhart, uh, who left us uh, a few days ago. Uh, Dave Meltzer in hot water, which, uh, doesn't happen very often, uh, but he, uh, he made some comments in an interview, and it, uh, drew the ire of one Peyton Royce. We're going to talk about that. Perry, can I have to interrupt? Uh, and I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to say, if you take a week off, that means there's going to be twice as many jokes this week. Oh, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> it's like we crept the water hose, and now we're going to let it go. And, and jokes are just going to flood out. Because when you say Dave Meltzer in hot water, of course, I imagine Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Bugs Bunny cartoon. Dave Meltzer is in a big cauldron. And uh, someone... Uh, and, of course, Dave Meltzer thinks he's just in a nice jacuzzi bath. But <laughs> someone is standing next to him, chatting him up nicely. Right, you know, right. conversational. But slicing carrots. <laughs> well, well... 
paging paging Tyler, uh, hashtag dear listener uh, Tyler, uh, who who loves to give us fan art. I think that that that's a job for him. Um, it's funny because you you mentioned uh, picturing Dave Meltzer. Like I never knew what Dave Meltzer looked like until about maybe three months ago. I I finally really? saw a picture of him because obviously I've known his name forever. But I actually saw a picture of him. I was like, he looks like a normal guy and not what I imagined he would look like at all. Um, but anyway, uh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, he looks like a... <laughs> he looks like a, like a high school principal. Like, he looks... He looks like Ralph Macchio if you dragged Ralph Macchio's face through some gravel. <laughs> <laughs> so Ralph Macchio now is what you're saying. Yes, uh, if you've watched Cobra Kai on YouTube... That's Ralph Macchio is actually played by Dave Meltzer. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Uh, we That's also got to. Re- That's not true. <laughs> we also have to report on uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax went down, and uh, we got to talk about who the big winner of the G1 Climax was, and of course, uh, Hell's favorite Demon won. His race for mayor of Knox County. Not uh, mayor of hell. Not not mayor of hell. No, uh, <laughs> old Satan. It's a lock for Satan. You can't beat him. He's got so many supporters. Uh, is Glenn, that the top position in all of the kingdom of hell? Is not the not king. It's mayor. It's <laughs> well. If you watch Batman Returns, apparently becoming mayor would have made you the ruler of the world. That, that that was Penguin's plan, and Batman had to. <laughs> that was Batman. Batman had to thwart that plan. But anyway, yes, Kane became mayor of Knox County. We want to talk about that very briefly. Also, big weekend for WWE and NXT, uh, where we have NXT Takeover Brooklyn Four, as well as SummerSlam, which they call the biggest party of the summer. Darren, and again, that they they say it's they're trying to make it as big of a deal as WrestleMania, and I say stop it. You're embarrassing yourself. Um, just because you say it, say something doesn't make it so, huh? Unless we say it. Unless we say that, it. Unless then we it say. makes it so. Of course. If you work for uh, Jean-Luc Picard, then, you know, he makes it so. Or you make it so for him. <laughs> Star Trek reference? Yeah. Next Generation reference. Oh, no. Come on. All you TNGs out there, whoop whoop. Nah, man, I can't. I can't go with you down that road. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but Darren, we do have to go head to head, head to head, with our predictions on who the big winners will be this weekend. And there's a lot of wrestling to talk about. Whole lot going on this weekend. A whole lot going on with the wrestling world in general. We got plenty of hashtag wrestle news and wrestle views. And before we can get to all of it, we got to start at the very, very beginning. We got to start with them tasty headlines. Sadly, the world of wrestling lost a wrestling legend, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, passed away uh, at the age of 63, reportedly falling at his home and hitting his head, and he did unfortunately succumb to those injuries. Um, Jim Neidhart has been around for a very, very long time. Of course, uh, entering WWF, if I may be so bold as to say WWF, um, with uh, with Bret Hart, and they were, of course, the Hart Foundation. They were a great tag team. And for many years, if you go back and watch the old stuff, like it seems like they would just be a tag team forever. I was actually... The Hart Foundation was such a great tag team, and they complemented each other so well, because Anvil 
was the powerhouse, and uh, Bret Hart was like the the tactician, the technician. What do you think, Darren? Uh, well, sure. I mean, that was uh, the the Hart Foundation is why people know Jim the Amble Nightheart. They also know him because he had a lovely pink beret, a lovely leather pink beret, and of course the spike goatee and the absolutely wicked laugh. Um, but yeah, he was absolutely the powerhouse, the 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 strength behind the Hart Foundation. I mean, you got how how in the world does a guy named Neidhart end up as a part of the Hart family marrying one of Stu Hart's daughters, tag teaming with one of Stu's sons, later tag teaming with another one of Stu's sons. The new Hart Foundation, yes. And then they and then they lucked out with getting Jimmy Hart out of Memphis to come up to New York at the same time. What a great uh, confluence of events it was, that original Hart Foundation back in the mid-'80s. But long before Jim Neidhart ended up in the WWF, he was well-known as a shot putter as well as a professional football player playing in the NFL for the Oakland Raiders and the Dallas Cowboys. He held a lot of records, actually, as a shot putter. But it would, of course, be professional wrestling that would be his calling. Many, many successful years uh, in the WWF. A few kind of wandering around years in WCW after Montreal screw job kind of sent all of the heart people all kind of willy-nilly. We ended up having Davey Boy and Neidhart over on Nitro, and it never really seemed to make any sense. Yeah, that last uh, that that last Hart Foundation that existed in like what ninety seven, uh, the in ninety seven is when Bret Hart uh, the Montreal Screwdrop took place. But man, Anvil Neidhart and Bret Hart and Owen Hart and British Bulldog and Brian Pillman, like that faction, that that is such a solid faction. And of course, once the Screwdrop took place and Bret Hart was out, like. It just—it was bad news for everyone else who was involved in uh, that faction. Well, well, Pillman actually passed away before that happened, though. Um, so Brian Pillman was already out. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot for Anvil to do. Owen Hart—they they made him join the Nation of Domination, which made no sense. Um, yeah, Anvil showed up in WCW, and he was just Jim Neidhart. I mean, he was. He, he wore the same stuff, did he? He, he wore the outfit. Oh, and... It was, uh, yeah, the dude didn't even tweak the gear. He didn't even get new versions of the gear. It's like he just wore it one week on Raw and then wore it the next week on Nitro. Basically, yeah. And um, got paid good money. I mean, it, all the wrestlers, this is, what, this is what irritates me about all the wrestlers in WCW is they complain so much about how poorly WCW was run. You know, I mean, it was it was probably always run poorly looking back, but I mean, the the Ted Turner years, like the late '90s, the the mid '90s when NWO was a big deal and WCW was winning the ratings war and all that stuff, and they complained about how poorly all that was run, but they all made more money than they'd ever made in their entire lives, and they can't even be happy about that. That they the guaranteed contracts and all that stuff and all this time off and you only have to do so many shows and they're like WCW let me tell you about <laughs> that place yeah I never understood uh, I mean everybody's going to have complaints about anything but just the over the top complaints when like you said they're making the most money they ever made no pun intended having, having the most time off they've ever had and they had to have been having fun Okay, it wasn't run well, but, like, they were still winning the ratings war 
They were working less hard. They were working less dates. And they were kind of their own bosses to a certain extent. I, I just, I don't know. It, it, they couldn't have all been unhappy. I mean, they, I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, let's not get too far off this topic here because we are uh, mourning the loss of Jim Neidhart. For a lot of years after WCW closed and WWE went on its monopoly venture, and a lot of those old-timers were passing away and others were getting into trouble. Some of them were unfortunately getting revisited by their cocaine and their steroid days. Uh, and some of them would pass away and some of them would end up in jail. We know that Jim Neidhart found himself uh, in the throes of all kinds of addiction and other problems that um, were active and returning to him. And that was a very unfortunate period where every time you pulled up any type of wrestling news, there seemed to be a sad story about Jim Neidhart. But in the Total Divas era, we've gotten to see Jim Neidhart back on television visiting the, uh, the Florida home of his daughter, WWE superstar Natalia, uh, and her husband, uh, Tyson Kidd, a.k.a. TJ... I don't know what his name is. I don't know what his real last name is, but to see Jim <laughs> uh, Neidhart... TJ Kidd. <laughs> to see Jim Neidhart on TV, uh, you know, he never looked great. It looked like something wasn't quite right. A man with a lot of health problems... I know I saw him at WrestleCon in Dallas a few years ago, and you know he just didn't look well. He didn't look happy, and that and that made me sad. But um, I think the saddest was very recently, just a matter of weeks ago. Christopher Nowinski, uh, hashtag dear listeners will remember Christopher Nowinski as one of the original Tough Enough competitors. He would end up being a WWE superstar before suffering a series of concussions that put his wrestling career to an end, but then sent, uh, sent him out into the world to do concussion research and work. Well, Christopher Nowinski was visiting some old friends and uh, probably dropping some knowledge on WWE agents and administration uh, at a recent show, and he was backstage put a picture of himself up with Natalia Neidhart and made a comment about the fact that Jim Neidhart had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Um, as soon as that story broke, Nowinski's tweet came down, and there was no mention ever made of it again. So if we are to believe that Nowinski, while maybe he put it up in error, but his, his facts were uh, actually straight, and Neidhart had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, well, what we don't know is how long ago was that diagnosis made, and how long ago was it the fact of the matter, but the diagnosis had not yet been made. Uh, that could be absolutely a big part of his odd behavior. Alzheimer's is a very, very debilitating disease with a lot of symptoms, and a lot of them just look like I don't know, dementia, senility, old age, forgetfulness. There's all sorts of problems um, that you can have with Alzheimer's that go undiagnosed for a long time. If that is part of what led to what I still consider at the age of 63 a far too early demise uh, for a human being here in the 21st century, if that's what cost Jim Neidhart his life, then more power to all those who are researching a cure for Alzheimer's.
Absolutely. And um, all I can say is it's it's a horrible thing. Uh, Anvil Neidhart, of course, like I said, part of a lot of classic wrestling. Um, I know lately when I just want something kind of on the background to kind of half watch while I do other things, I put on just some old, old WWF. And like uh, there's the Hart Foundation and there's, you know, Jim Neidhart and, and Bret Hart doing doing the cool tag team stuff, doing that heart attack, which I appreciate the revival doing the heart attack on Raw. And that nice little uh, nice little salute to um, to Anvil. And yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the best to his family. Of course, the condolences to Natty Neidhart, who lost a father. Um, and that's just I know, the worst. Yeah, I know, that, I know that that's got to be absolutely awful for her. So the best to all the, the members of his family and uh, to all his fans out there who feel a significant loss without the anvil around. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm, and I'm sad about it, but I, I simultaneously have a smile on my face because while I was telling the bit earlier about his maniacal laugh and pulling on his goatee and all that, I can't help but uh, think of during uh, Hitman Heart wrestling with Shadows, the behind-the-scenes bit where he talks about um, forgetting his manners and he's going over the <laughs> he's, he's going over the promo that they're going to shoot. He's, he's, he's going to get hungry and forget his manners. Yeah, and Brent's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and it's so funny to see to see Neidhart, um prepping for that because he was so into it. It was such a clear delineation that we had always heard rumored, which was Brett can't talk. And Neidhart can't shut up, and it was like it just—it was so funny to see that, uh, just to see it for real. Like I said in the beginning, I mean, they, they kind of complement each other, you know, because they, they were they were polar opposites, and for a tag team, that that meet, that makes all the difference because the strengths and the weaknesses are opposite, so it, it's perfect. So, uh, but yeah, that's all that can be said about Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Uh, we appreciate the memories and uh, Godspeed, Dave Meltzer. Uh, Dave Meltzer, for those who, if you do not know, is kind of the Roger Ebert of wrestling. I refer to him as that. I'm sure a lot of people do, um, but it's true. He's he's just a uh, he's a, a columnist. He's a reporter that's been reporting on wrestling for seventy billion years. Ever since <laughs> <laughs> ever since yeah. Ugg and Bug fought for the uh, fought for the uh, Stone Age uh, championship. Wrestling title uh, back in who, who was fighting for it? Ugg and Bug. Uh, remember them? <laughs> this is back when Bruno San Martino was a curtain jerker, um, and Ugg and Bug, they, they, they were hot shit. Anyway, um, so Dave Meltzer's been around forever. People know who he is. All the wrestlers know who he is. They all. They all dislike him because he rates their matches, but secretly want to get a really high rating from Dave Meltzer. It's just human nature. That's what you're going to do. Um, so he's he's very outspoken about wrestling. He, he rates all the matches. He's the one that notoriously gave Omega Okada six stars out of his five-star rating system, and people make fun of him to this day for that, even though that fucking match was awesome. Um, but not as good as the second match. Anyway... I don't understand hating Dave Meltzer. Just going to say that. Just He's a critic. Uh, He's a critic who doesn't have his bump card full, Darren. We, we've been oh, through this a million oh times. Boy. Oh, boy. If you, you haven't wrestled, to, you live in your basement, and you're, you're, fed, you're fed cat food through a hole in the roof. Um, I, 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 was, I was with you for a minute. Now I have no idea what you're talking about. Who's eating cat food 
through the roof. We, we don't talk about those days. No, but, you know, if it's, it's what wrestlers say, and we went into great, great excruciating detail about it on our episode where we basically answered, uh, what's his name? Lazy B. Uh, Paul Lazenby and Don Callis. Ooh, um, Lazy Shitty animated is he, character. Is he in that Seinfeld cartoon? The, the B movie? <laughs> he was the villain. Lazy B. No, because he doesn't get any actual movie parts. Anyway, um, oh, so, so we, we've, we've talked about... you know what he does have, Perry? You know what he does have? He has a full bump card. He has a full bump card, so he can, he can tell me all about wrestling, even though I've watched it for the last 30 years. Sure. Um, so... Dave Meltzer made a comment. He he was being interviewed by uh, someone. This is a uh, probably a podcast or, or a radio show. I'm not really sure where the where the uh, this originates from, and I apologize for that. But Dave Meltzer was asked about Peyton Royce and, and Billy Kay, who just came from NXT. They're the Iconics, and um, Dave Meltzer said that he more or less liked them more in NXT. Because they had more to do in NXT, and I totally agree with that, by the way. That's a totally true statement. Um, And then he said that he actually uh, preferred Peyton Royce before she had a lot of obvious work done to her, um, including breast enhancements. She did something to her teeth. I I know she did. uh, But she did some other stuff to kind of, I guess, make her look more more the WWE woman image, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I don't know whose call that was. I'm not pointing fingers. But obviously she did it for a reason. Uh, Billy Kay also had breast enlargements. We talked about this months ago when it happened. But Meltzer said that he liked Peyton Royce better in NXT. And then the interviewer said, do you think she looked better? And he said, uh, yeah, I, I think she looked better. I do think she looked better. And then he said, like, you know, I, I don't think I should even say that. And basically, like, backpedaled and, like, did all kinds of damage control as he was making the statement, you know... Yeah. Yeah, let me ask you this, Barry. Why did why did that dude? Unless the dude was just setting Meltzer up, why do you ask? Why is that a question you're you're asking on the air? That's the thing too. Is he he? Like we 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 share a lot of wrestle news and wrestle views on this show, but I'm not like, hey, Perry. Do you think Alexa Bliss is pretty? I do think she's pretty, but uh, but, no, that, no. but you see what I'm saying, like. As as far no no as far as performance that doesn't matter and and Dave Meltzer knows that the inter- he simply answered the interviewer's question and said like oh no right I'm not saying and that's my point I'm not saying Meltzer did anything wrong I'm trying to stick up for him for a little bit here because and even I'm sticking up for the the dude who asked the question too before that question simply stating facts about did this person have plastic surgery did this person have some sort of augmentation. That's just a matter of record, did they or didn't they? Sure, but then when it's like, "What did, did you think she was look better before or after?" Right. That no. Was not a, that, it's, you could even you could even ask that question in a clinical fashion. Right. Right. But he didn't. He asked it in this weird way. Well, Dave Meltzer was just basically talking about how Peyton Royce and, and Billy Kay aren't really being used that well because WWE has a very hard time integrating new talent into their system, NXT talent especially. Um, and the guy just kind of offhand asked, do you think she looked better? And and Dave Meltzer said, like, uh, yeah, I think she looked better before. And then the guy even said, like, um, no one is saying she's not attractive, by the way. And, like, she's very attractive. And, and, and Dave Meltzer even said, like, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, she's really attractive. And um, 
they, they kind of move on from that. It's a very short little clip, but Peyton Royce retweeted it on her Twitter. And uh, even in the very, very end of it, you hear Dave Meltzer say, like, yeah, she, she was lighter, uh, a little bit lighter. He may have been alluding to her pre-boob job, maybe? Maybe that was a dig at that? or Because if she gained or lost any weight between NXT, <laughs> not counting the breast augmentation, um, I didn't notice, that's for sure. But the thing is, she's a fighter. Fighters gain weight and they lose weight. Do you think when Dave Meltzer said, holy shit, Cassius Ono has put on 40 pounds, do you think Cassius Ono cried in his, his apartment and put on some Neil Young records and forgot about life for a while and or just well, tweeted? He, he might have. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's a... No, du- of course he didn't. It, it, it's a double standard with women and men in wrestling, you know? Unfortunately, Vince McMahon tends to only employ females who are very attractive, and that's just a fact of life. Um, Peyton Royce, I do think, is attractive, and that doesn't matter. Um, the fact that they don't use her enough, they don't use her as much as they did in NXT, that's a fact. That matters. Um, again, if she lost weight or gained weight, I can't even, I could even say, I didn't notice. But my point is, everyone is now attacking Dave Meltzer as if he said something horrible about Peyton Royce. And Dave Meltzer actually felt the need to apologize. And Dave Meltzer has criticized a lot of things. Typically matches, saying some matches are weak, some storylines are weak, some are good, some are bad, whatever. But he's never had to apologize for his opinion. And even though this was, this was so nothing, this, this was really what he said was nothing at all. Peyton Royce has kind of used this as some sort of like launch pad for something. And all the women, like Lana... Um, and some other women, uh, Beth Phoenix, I think, are all kind of jumping on Dave Meltzer, and which means it's a Twitter war because all these fans of these of these women are all attacking Dave Meltzer, um, and it's just kind of like, and he's he's apologized multiple times, like, hey, like you know, I I may have made a mistake, I apologize for that. It's 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 not about the the looks, it's about the performance and all that stuff, and, and then that that's all true, but it's like he didn't say anything horribly bad to get that and i think because we fancy ourselves journalists somewhat who you know we we have our opinions it's kind of all we have and it's just kind of like like i I don't understand why there's this crusade right well it is all we have because we definitely do not have full bump we don't have bump cards we're fed through cat food and the whole of the 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 ceiling of the basement where we dwell because we live in the dark because we haven't wrestled a match we couldn't tell you about wrestling (laughs) Well, man, it's such a weird, it's such a weird, weird thing, uh, quote-unquote wrestling journalism. First of all, what, why is it almost not allowed to exist? What is the big hang-up with someone outside of an organization speaking about that organization? I don't know. Again, that only happens in wrestling. Only in wrestling, not in football. You can tell a coach you lost that game, you suck, and they'll go, "Okay, yeah, we'll get him next time." Or like, you, hey, you, you dropped that, you dropped that, you know, that uh, high fly out in the outfield to an outfielder, and go, "Yeah, I know, we'll get him next time." In wrestling, though, it's you don't know what it's like. You don't wear wrestling boots like I wear wrestling boots, and it's just kind of like this is fake bullshit. This is pretend. Like, stop it. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, seriously. 
anybody that is spending enough time to be a professional wrestling journalist at any level, right? They do respect. They clearly respect the product, the industry, and the history immensely and deeply, sincerely. Or they wouldn't be talking to you about it. Right. So the talking to you is not a sign of disrespect. It's, in fact, the exact opposite. Why be an expert on something that you hate? That doesn't make any sense. No also, one, No one is that. No Dave, one is that. Dave Meltzer has been doing review... He's been reviewing wrestling and commenting on wrestling and writing about wrestling since before Peyton Royce was even born. So I, I would say that he knows a lot about wrestling. Again, I'm not I'm not defending Dave Meltzer in the like if if anyone thinks that he was saying commenting on Peyton Royce's looks and how that should be how she's pushed because he wasn't by the way he, <laughs> he was, was not he was that asked was a question that he shouldn't have been asked so I'm actually going to point fingers at the interviewer and say why'd you fucking ask that you idiot. Because um, no matter what he says, it's going to be like oh oh oh. Um, but, um, Dave Meltzer doesn't deserve any of that. That it's, it's bullshit to me. It's, it's WWE going, finally, we can get Meltzer. He's been getting us for so long. We'll get you Meltzer. So anyway, I I wanted to comment on that just because I thought Dave Meltzer was getting a lot of, a lot of shit for a very dumb reason. So I agree. I'm with you a hundred percent. Uh, there were probably many other things, in his, and I'm not saying Meltzer needs to be attacked for any of it, but I'm sure he said things, uh, maybe even things that were just as true or more true, that were far more offensive, uh, that were that no one ever thought twice about. But in our current atmosphere, our current political atmosphere, uh, this is an example of something being taken too far. First of all, taken the wrong way, right. and then absolutely, because of social media, taken too far. And that's unfortunate for Dave Meltzer. Um, I hate it, but uh, the Wicked Witch of the West has unleashed the flying monkeys. uh, And uh, that's what a Twitter war is tantamount to, is flying monkeys ripping the straw out of the scarecrow. So, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Dave. In, in, in so many words, yes. And you and I are both uh, Peyton Royce fans. We can go ahead and say that. We love, we've always loved Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, the Iconics. We've, uh, I love the Iconics. Really big I, fans. Day, like, literally every day of their career is better than the day before, in my opinion. I am a big, big fan of these ladies. Yeah, Peyton Royce should have just kind of shrugged this whole thing off. Like, well, fuck you, Dave. I mean, and, and that's it. And that is it. Right. And if that wanted, to, and yeah, if she wanted to have her personal opinion, like what? Screw you, dude. Whatever. Like then that's fine. Right. But yeah, the crusade. The, the the come on, get get over yourself. And she may have been like half joking when she put the comment up, but and everyone kind of took the ball and ran with it. I mean, right. and and, and that, that that's that that's the benefit of that. I will get Peyton Royce. Uh, she may be kind of like, oh, thanks a lot, Dave, because a lot of it seems like a lot of what she says is like sarcastic and joking. But I mean, she's also written that way, so I don't, I don't know Peyton Royce personally. But anyway, it's just a weird situation, and I hate it for both the people involved. Dave Meltzer doesn't deserve that. Peyton Royce, you don't need to be known for this. So that's all. Uh, moving on, New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax. It happened again this year. And at this year's G1 Climax, it was a it was a hellacious battle to see who would get that beautiful G1 trophy. You know, it's a really convoluted uh, system. 
I think it's a beautiful tournament if you have time to sit down, access the whole thing, watch it, keep track of it. You need to be like a damn baseball statistician to sit there and uh, keep a scorecard through this tournament. I wish I could have done it, but alas, I wasn't able to. One, because it's it's difficult. I, I, I enjoy New Japan World. Um, <laughs> I really do. But it's hard to navigate. It's the, the, the English translation isn't great. Um, it's a difficult website uh, or streaming service to navigate. <laughs> I don't have access TV. I enjoy the, the access, not access TV. I enjoy the access whoa, that whoa. NJPW World provides. But sometimes I'm lost and I just kind of give up. And uh, Nevertheless, I wish I could have sat here and watched this whole thing. But uh, Perry, you're going to tell us. Who all was involved in this tournament, yeah? I will. I will gladly do that. Uh, it, it, non-typical tournament. It's, it's a tournament actually based on points and not so much like brackets where you beat someone to advance, you know, and they they beat someone to advance and then you have your finals. Um, but it was a, a very large tournament that involved quite a few people, including Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazushika Okada, uh, Jay White, a.k.a. Switchblade, uh, Minoru Suzuki, Evil, Yoshihashi, Michael Elgin, Togi Maccabee, Hangman Page, Bad Luck Fale, Tamatanga, Toru Yano, Haruki Goto, Juice Robinson, Sonata, Tomohiro Ishii, Tetsuya Naito, Zack Sabre Jr., Kenny Omega, and Koto Ibushi. So a lot of really, really talented folks involved in this new Japan is just bursting at the seams with talent, but in the end... Yeah, came, that, dude, that is the best of the best. It really is. Um, and in the end, though, it did come down between Koto Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. And I think a lot of people thought this was uh, Koto Ibushi's moment. He did defeat uh, Kenny Omega earlier on in the uh, the tournament. Uh, but Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace. The ace. The ace, baby. He actually went on to win... Uh, the tournament. So actually, apparently, he actually earned the most points that anyone ever had in the tournament's history. So, well, uh, I hate to use the phrase "throw a dog a bone" uh, because that sounds awfully condescending, and I don't mean to condescend to Tanahashi for one second. But for someone uh, the with the quality of a career as Hiroshi Tanahashi, he's been out of the spotlight now for a couple of years thanks to Omega. And Okada, and uh, meanwhile, while while Omega and Okada are sort of on the tail of a skyrocket, you also have uh, people like interlopers like Cody coming in, and then you have people like Naito really stepping up, and Ibushi obviously fighting the ace here uh, at the G1 Climax. There's so much, so much New Japan talent. And I don't think Tanahashi was quite ready to step out of the top spot. It's sort of like he sidestepped it for a little while um, to let something happen and like open the floodgates and like 12 dudes ran past him. So, it, so in that respect is what I mean by throwing a dog a bone is get, letting Tanahashi win this match is nice recognition for all of his contributions and the fact that he's still talented, relevant, and, 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 you know, there's a lot of fighting spirit left in the dude. Absolutely. Crowd, uh, crowd favorite, for sure. But I think basically everyone at this point 
is a crowd favorite. There's something New Japan does better than WWE where it seems like every match is elevated. Like every match is the most important match of the night somehow. Um, there, there is no bullshit kickoff show. Um, <laughs> so like it's, it feels like every match is equally important, which I, I've always liked that about New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling. Yeah, no match ever seems rushed. Oh, absolutely, even, yeah. Even yeah. if it's a short match, even like a seven or eight minute match doesn't feel rushed. And because it's not rushed, even though it's only been eight minutes, it feels like it was much longer than that, but in a good way. Right, absolutely. New Japan, still killing it, man. And it's, it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, I, I mean, I continue to be a huge fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I, I want to see it more and more. I, I, I need to see it in person. I need to get real up close and personal. I did get to see a lot of the members of the roster uh, at the Supercard of Honor 12 the night before WrestleMania in New Orleans earlier this year. But I, wa- I guess what I'm saying is I want to go to Japan. Right. I want to go see New Japan in Japan. Well, what's funny is uh, New Japan hitting our shores over here. I'm in, I'm in California. I'm in Los Angeles. And they've been hitting up, uh, what, San Francisco when they were in Long Beach. But the Long Beach show was just super expensive. Uh, I didn't have the, the time or the funds to hit uh, San Francisco either. Um, so hopefully we'll be back sometime very soon so I can check these dudes out. And bringing up the tail end of the news on this week's episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. We are stoked. We are giddy to announce that Glenn Jacobs, better known to all of you and us as Kane, brother of The Undertaker, is the new mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. I dare say this is almost old news. This happened uh, the night after we recorded episode 95, and then, of course, after taking a week off, uh, it's now been out there in the wrestling world, but we would be remiss if we did not report it here. Yeah, because we, we talked about it happening, uh, we talked about it as it was happening, um, Kane running for mayor, and uh, this definitely would have been like the main headline of uh, last week's episode. So we definitely want to bring it up and talk about it and, and just not ignore it. So congratulations to Glenn Jacobs. I, I hope it's it's good good news for Knox County. I remember uh, we, we when we first discussed it, it was like, Kane being mayor, that's kind of cool, right? And you were like, well... And you, I think you mentioned he was a libertarian and stuff like that, and he's got very interesting ideas. And um, so it well, may, yeah. it may or may not be good or bad. Uh, criminals may have to compete in inferno matches um, <laughs> <laughs> to win their uh, win their freedom. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he may he may institute uh, attaching car batteries to criminals' genitals oh, uh, as a as a form of punishment. Um, I don't know. You never know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, oh, man. So many Kane jokes to be made. But in reality, Glenn Jacobs jokes, uh, well, jokes aside, Glenn Jacobs, you know, the last time there was a libertarian professional wrestler in political office, his name was Jesse the Body Ventura. I've not and, heard he of was him. The, and he was the governor of Minnesota. Now, Most people dismiss uh, Ventura as a complete crackpot these days, having threatened to run off to Mexico, having started reporting on uh, UFOs, apparently uh, having a television show on Russian television, and being an all-out conspiracy promoter 
so to speak, uh, not just entertaining the ideas, but truly embracing the wackiest conspiracy theories out there. So I'm not saying that goes hand in hand with being libertarian, but it does show someone who is for right or for ill, uh, definitely uh, thinking for themselves, libertarian, not really subscribing to either of this nation's uh, major political parties. So interesting that Knox County still thinks, regardless of political affiliation or political philosophy, I say, I say regardless of it, maybe because of it. They've put Glenn Jacobs in office, and I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> I, I know, I know um, some people are kind of scratching their head at um, the fact that uh, Glenn Jacobs has mentioned that even though he, he is mayor, he's still going to make appearances on WWE television as Kane. And it's like, you're, gonna take, you're, you're the mayor of Knox County, you're going to take orders from Vince McMahon and wrestle in matches. Are you going to put up your, your mayorship in a match with the winner? You fight Daniel Bryan and the winner goes on to be mayor of Knox County, Tennessee? Please tell me that happens. Oh, man. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait because it will happen. And you can't wait for it. I can't wait. I won't wait. Okay, well, I, I can I could definitely see that happening uh, if Vince McMahon gets his way. Um, so yes, we had to mention that. Congratulations, Perry, 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 Perry. Vince McMahon always gets his way. Vince does always get his way, indeed. So we definitely had to mention that. Uh, congratulations to Glenn Jacobs, aka Kane, and uh, <laughs> looking forward to seeing what the uh, state of the union. The, the, the state of the, the Knox County is uh, in a, a year. <laughs> the, the state of the county. The state of the county is in a year from now. Uh, but that's it for the headlines. Uh, quite a bit to talk about there. And uh, there is quite a bit to talk about as far as this weekend, where it's a big old summer bash this weekend for WWE and NXT, because we got NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. We got SummerSlam. Darren and I, we got to talk about this. We got to dish it out in a segment we like to call Head to Head. Head to head. Coming to you live on the WWE Network this Saturday, the 18th of August, 2018, the network special known as NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. I guess that's the full name of it. It's kind of, it's kind of getting to be a mouthful. We should, we should change these names a little bit, maybe. Hunter, what do you think? Are you saying unless it's Brooklyn, you can never revisit a city for a takeover ever again? Because if you go back to Chicago, it's, oh, it's Takeover Chicago 2. Like, it's going to get confusing after a while. Like, I guess I, my thing is, like, it used to seem like NXT, it was like NXT stood by itself and then TakeOver and then the word. Like, there was a word. Then it became the city. And that's fine. But now, once you start repeating them, now you've got the number. So it's like you don't know how to pair the words. If, if the title of the show is four different words, how do you pair them? Because it used to be like NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Now it's like NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's, there's too many pauses in there. Right, that's right. not how you... That's not how you say a title. 
Yeah, no, that, that's that's fair enough. But I mean, uh, take over Brooklyn's a big one because it's uh, it's that's their WrestleMania more or less, right? I mean, um, yeah, I think so because I don't think it was intended to be that way. I think it will. I think it sort of kind of sort of kind of de factoed to being their WrestleMania because it was the first arena show they ever did. The first takeover Brooklyn in 2015 which you were in attendance for and our good friend hashtag friend of the show rich bokini did commentary for and friend of the show leva bates aka blue pants also involved in that as well man that wow what a night what a night in brooklyn we were all there oh what a night late september back in 63 that was a very good time for me (laughs) It might as well have been called "Takeover the Whole Reference Show." That's what that's that's what that show should have been called. They, well, they should call it that now, just because Brooklyn Four <laughs> is getting a little out of hand. Yeah, this one's got Roman numerals, so that's why I say it's kind of like the WrestleMania. Um, so, but it's going to be a good show. Uh, it'll be a good show. You know, I'm anxious to see guy when they when they sign that very first show. They signed a three year deal, and so we thought after three years it would be going away. It'd be going to another city. The fact that they're here two nights in a row, which probably means four nights in a row, because I'm pretty sure Raw and SmackDown are also going to come from the Barclays Center. They probably signed another three-year contract, so that'll be six years in a row that you have four nights in a row in Brooklyn here during the summer. Now, it's been done before because four years ago, WWE ended six years of SummerSlam being at the Staples Center. So L.A. got it for six years. I guess now New York City's got it for six years. I think it's a great venue. I love the Barclays Center. I wish I got to Brooklyn more often. I wish I had been at all of these TakeOver Brooklyns. I wasn't the first one. And if you if you go back and watch that show, it's unrecognizable to, to NXT today which in some ways is very cool and in some ways is very sad. Yeah, I don't think any of those folks are in XT anymore, and some not even the company at all. I, I mean, I, I think one of the best matches in NXT history was Tyler Breeze versus Jushin Thunder Liger at the first TakeOver Brooklyn. It just was so damn neat, so cool, and Tyler Breeze used to be such a bright, meaningful part of that organization, of that brand, and he's just been completely used as uh, not even a mop. He's been used as a mop bucket on the main <laughs> roster. Wow, and he's actually come out before uh, Incognito I, as a janitor who, with a mop that's bucket. That's true, and that's not even why I said that, but that's true. Okay. But now here we are. It is TakeOver Brooklyn 4, and this very, very different roster is primed to put on one hell of a show. The roster was excellent in 2015. It's excellent in 2018. I've never said anything but good things about the yellow brand. I am NXT, ride or die, and this night, uh, this Saturday, is no exception. We're going to see Velveteen Dream take on EC3. So, like we've mentioned before, these guys are both NXT homegrown talents. Velveteen Dream coming in, 
the uh, odd, convoluted way of uh, dancing through Tough Enough, uh, the weird, most recent version of Tough Enough that was on uh, the USA Network before ending up in NXT. And EC3, having been a part of the NXT predecessor, FCW, then the original, original NXT before spending a lot of time over in TNA where he got the moniker of EC3. But now here these guys are. They're both a big deal. They're both a big deal in NXT. Um, these guys I both think could be main eventing NXT, which I think is neat for the brand because you've got guys uh, that are very talented, could be top guys, and yet they're not trying to shoehorn them in. They're just letting them have a good singles grudge match. And uh, in this match, I'm going to pick EC3 to win. How about you, Perry? Wow. Well, uh, a common problem they have with Velveteen Dream, and I've mentioned this, I think, the last two uh, head-to-heads. Head-to-head. For takeovers is Velveteen Dream is great, and they know he's great, and they put him in these, these matches. They put him on the takeovers because they know that he can deliver the goods. But uh, when's the last time Velveteen Dream actually won a match? Didn't he win last time? No, Ricochet defeated him. Darren, are you even paying attention anymore? And I, and I, on, and the la- on that on that uh, episode going into that takeover, I said Velveteen Dream will win because he needs to win a match. Before that, he lost to Aleister Black. Before that, he lost in the ladder match for the North American title. He has just not won a match. Velveteen Dream needs this win. Uh, to to establish himself as a, an important player at well, NXT. Okay. Well, listen, I'm, I'm not doubling down on my ignorance. I'll <laughs> double down on that for you. <laughs> I'm not doubling down on my ignorance, but I want to say, does that actually show that the Velveteen Dream needs a win? Or the fact that I'm still so high on the guy and feel like he has one, is that actually an indication that they're not damaging his stock. Well, you have to remember that fans will will be very statty, you know, and be like, Psh, that guy hasn't won a match. He's, you know, 0 for 5 or whatever, you know what I mean? So he's, he's going to have to eventually have his hand held up, you know, his arm raised after a match for people to realize, like, oh, yeah, he's a credible threat. He's not just an obnoxious heel, you know what I mean? He's going to have to actually pin someone at this point. Um, so, and, and EC3 also could use a win right about now, but I just think Velveteen Dream needs it a little bit more. Right. So, so you're picking Dream. I'm picking Dream. Also, I like Dream better, so I, I, I would prefer he win over EC3. Um, so that's that's that. Well, if that, I mean, if that's what we're going by, then I would definitely pick Dream because I'm such a huge fan. I'd like to see him win every match. Um, I just think that he's good enough to kind of play the part of the trickster heel who kind of gets his comeuppance and doesn't always win or <laughs> doesn't ever win if you will and um but yeah i'd love to see dream win this match but i'm gonna go with ec3 so there we go right off the bat this head-to-head head to head is up for grabs right which could change immediately <laughs> no it could it could but it's we know we're, we know at least we're not gonna make all the same picks right 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 the nxt tag titles are also on the line on Saturday in Brooklyn, the champions, the Undisputed Era, represented by Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, are taking on Mustache Mountain, 
represented by Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. Now, the Undisputed Era took the tag belts off of Mustache Mountain. Now, where did Mustache Mountain get those belts? Mustache Mountain got them from the Undisputed Era, Darren. So, this has turned into a regular feud for the ages, and I like it. I like all four of these guys, and um, I'm still I'm still behind Roderick Strong, the heel. And I like Kyle O'Reilly. God, I like Kyle O'Reilly. He's so good. Kyle O'Reilly's great. Roderick Strong's a very great wrestler as well. Good enough to make you remember that uh, we're missing Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish is the actual uh, typical teammate of Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, but I, I do miss Bobby Fish. I want him to come back as soon as possible. Um, so yeah, Roddy Strong and uh, Kyle O'Reilly taking on Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. A rematch. The first match was really, really good. But the thing is, if this was going to become a feud that ended up with Undisputed Era just you know getting the belt back at some point or giving them back to Mustache Mountain, Mustache Mountain would have just kept the belts for a longer period of time and, uh, and they would have lost them at this show. Instead, they kind of got them back to the Undisputed Era very quickly after they won them, so it wasn't even it wasn't even that long of a celebration for Mustache Mountain. It was more so like, hey, these guys are from the UK, and we're at this UK tournament. How about we give the fans a little bit of a thrill, and they become the NXT Tag Champions? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's an old, old promoter's trick. How many times did the NWA world title change hands uh, on one weekend in Japan and the following weekend right before they all got on a plane to go back to Kansas City or Atlanta or Charlotte they changed the belt back to the Gaijin so that no one had to be any of the wiser in the United States and yet the Japanese got to see a homegrown uh, talent defeat Harley Race or Terry Funk or Ric Flair right absolutely so I'm going to say Undisputed Era holds on to their tag team titles I do not think this is about to be the coronation for Mustache Mountain. Um, as as much as I like them, and as much as it appears WWE likes them, at least they love Tyler Bate. I don't know if they love Trent Seven. They damn sure love Tyler Bate. I don't know if they love them enough to put these belts on them because God knows they love the Undisputed Era, and they should. Right. My personal feelings about the Undisputed Era like I've said before, are that they are the closest thing to giving me that very special NWO tingle. Not even the Bullet Club. And I like the Bullet Club. I love the Bullet Club. But it's an entirely different feeling that I get from the Bullet Club. Yeah, but My Bullet- Disputed Era feels straight up WCW Saturday night and the NWO is down at MGM Studios And I'm 16 years old again, and I can barely contain myself. Yeah, Bullet Club kind of evolved into its own thing, where I don't don't get the NWO vibe at all anymore. Um, Because as much as as it is Bullet Club, it's still New Japan Wrestling. It's still ROH. You know what I mean? Like, they they still carry themselves like they're part of the organizations, where NWO were just totally outsiders. Like, we are not WCW. And there, there is still that feeling of Undisputed Era just not really being a part of NXT. So I, I completely back up what you're saying. Yeah, and a lot of that, you know, is the legitimacy uh, of O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, and Fish with the just, I mean, they called Joey Janela the bad boy, but 
Adam Cole, baby, there is something about that dude that is just wonderfully despicable. (laughs) It's just you love to hate him and you hate to love him. But, uh, you know, he gets his chance next because he's the North American champion and he has a pretty tough test, pretty tough test coming to him at the Barclays Center. This is true, so obviously you're going to agree with me that Undisputed Era is going to retain the titles, but does Adam Cole retain his North American title? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely going with Era to win the tag belts, to keep the tag belts. And uh, But I'm torn. I am torn about Adam Cole fighting Ricochet. You're Natalie Amulia. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um <laughs> Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. Sure, of course, yes. Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> Adam Cole, baby. I. Uh, does he beat Ricochet because Bobby Fish gets involved somehow? Um, I can't see this being a clean finish for Adam Cole, but I don't know if Adam Cole needs to be knocked down a peg by being cleanly defeated by Ricochet. And we don't want a cloudy, dirty, schmozzy victory for Ricochet. We can handle it for Cole, I think. Only a clean victory by Ricochet would work. And uh, But I don't know that Adam Cole is prepared for that, for that chopping down. What do you think? Man, I love Adam Cole as the champion. He's the only one who has been North American champion at this point. Um, it's going to be a great match, which I'm really looking forward to. But uh, I feel like you you maybe it's it's not too early to put the belt on Ricochet. Like I think Adam Cole. I'm surprised Adam Cole has held on to it this long. Actually, I thought for sure he would have lost it um, by now. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, why does might as well might as well honor that uh, that young. That young pistol, old Ricochet. <laughs> okay, all right. You know what? I'm gonna just I'm gonna roll the dice here, and I'm gonna go with Ricochet. Yay! Dice roll, dice roll. The dice man. You were Natalie Ambrolia because you were you were torn, but now you're Andrew Dice Clay, the dice man. Because I'm offensive. <laughs> because you're horribly <laughs> offensive. Yes. <laughs> Shayna Baszler will defend her NXT women's title against the I love that. I got I got to bust it. I love that transition. Um, oh joking. <laughs> Shayna Baszler uh, <laughs> like that's funny to me. Oh good, good. I do it for your entertainment. Okay. And <laughs> after after 96 episodes, our transitions <laughs> have only gotten the same. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. Uh, Kyrie Sane. Uh, what can you say? She uh, she's a pirate. She's a soul caliber character. She really is, uh, and that, that's the best way to describe her. What do you think in this match? I'm I'm begging NXT to put Kyrie Sane against Nikki Cross. That way, it's Kyrie Sane versus Nikki Cross, who is insane. Oh, hello! All right, ninety six but- episodes. The jokes have gotten the same. <laughs> Shayna Baszler without the belt not just Shayna Baszler without the belt but Shayna Baszler post belt Shayna Baszler ex-champion does that work in NXT? 
I think it does if they have a two-hour show. I think it, it does if they have a monthly network special. But it's sort of like having a hard time picking Adam Cole and Ricochet. Uh, when you only go to, quote-unquote, pay-per-view a handful of times a year, it changes. It really, really changes the methodology of the booking. NXT, we talk about how it's booked so much better than Raw or SmackDown. Better or worse, it's booked completely differently right? because of the visibility. But you have to remember, Darren, this is not the first time they face each other. This is a rematch. Those of you who remember our coverage of the very first May Young Classic know that the finals were Shayna Baszler against Kyrie Sane. Um, and Kyrie Sane went over on Baszler to become the first winner of the uh, May Young Classic. To me, this is Shayna Baszler's, uh, Shayna Baszler's revenge on Kyrie Sane. Now, this is her going over on Kyrie um, because she did the she did the the honors the favors whatever whatever you want to say uh, the first time around. So I, I think you keep the belt on Shanna Baszler. She's a, she's a really good champion. She's a really good heel, and I she's think such a good champion. And heels are only at their best when they have the belt and they can gloat about being champion. So I absolutely say keep the belt on Shanna Baszler. Well, with that in mind, I'm going to go with Baszler as well. Um, and like you mentioned before, NXT was not too happy with Aleister Black's run as champion because they felt like he couldn't work the microphone. How well could Kyrie Sane work the mic? And Shannon Baez was actually really good at trash talking on the microphone. For that reason, also, I say keep the belt on Shannon Baszler. You know, I know that Baszler was not the UFC star that uh, Ronda Rousey was, but uh, I dare say Baszler is doing a much better job with this transition to pro wrestling that Ronda is. Not to say Ronda's doing a bad one. I think Shayna's just that much better. It's not fair because Ronda, they let her do things like every once in a blue moon. Shayna's actually there every week. So I, I would I would not compare the two. Because when Ronda's I, in the ring, I'm very happy with it. But basically the way they're letting Shayna just be a badass, and she's naturally good at that, it's just very natural and it works really well for her. Ronda, they're giving her all this really awkward promoing shit, and and it, it, that's not working. But yes, yeah, Shayna Baszler is, uh, like I said, was not a darling of of the mixed martial arts world, but um, she's really proving herself in NXT. She's becoming a darling of NXT. I'll tell you that much. She is, and I and I did not mean to take anything away from Ronda. I do not mean to take anything from Ronda. As a matter of fact, I think you're absolutely right. The only thing that's wrong with Ronda Rousey is that she's being written by Raw writers and not NXT writers. Absolutely. Um, but but Shayna's just, it's been so good. It's been so extra, extra good um, that I can't help but make the comparison. I think that what they're doing, I think their careers are destined to be compared. It's just, they're doing everything kind of side by side, so it's natural to compare the two. Um, but maybe... It's natural, too. Maybe it's not fair, too. Uh, let's revisit these two in a year from now and see what we think. Sure. Give them another year, uh, especially if they end up on the same main roster show together. A year from now, we might see Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler for the SmackDown Women's title at uh, WrestleMania. Or maybe at next year's biggest party of the summer. Or Baszler might even just hand the title over to Kyrie Sane on this night and then show up on Raw the next Monday. You never know. It's the wacky world of wrestling, folks. But yes, Baszler does retain, odds are. I agree. 
which leaves only our NXT Championship match main event of the evening. The reigning champion, the Sicilian psychopath, Tomasa Ciampa, taking on former tag team partner, former best friend, and now, woo, hated enemy, Johnny Wrestling himself, Mr. Johnny Gargano, and these two take on one another in a last man standing match for all the marbles. Why all the marbles? Because it's just the two of them. Alistair Black, nowhere in sight. Speaking of marbles, Alistair Black was... <laughs> wasn't originally was originally supposed to be uh, part of this match. Uh, he, however, did suffer. We speculated a torn... I think we said a torn scrotum. A la Hector Garza. Um, but no, he did tear his uh, groin. He he did uh, hurt his groin, and uh, so he's out because that that's that's an injury that's going to take about a month to recover from. So I'm really surprised that they kayfabe this injury. Oh yeah, didn't they say that? What didn't they say? Like Tommaso attacked him backstage or something like that? Yeah, and we got. I mean, it was on TV. You can see Alistair Black laid out. Absolutely no credence given to the actual injury. Happening at a Las Vegas house show. Why? That happened. Everyone saw it. It's a real thing that happened. All you have to do is say, these two fought each other at a at an NXT live show, and Tomasa Ciampa just laid into him. And th- that's all you had to say. Exactly. The, because everything else Ciampa is doing is so not kayfabe, it would be perfect. Just have him come out, or have him sitting backstage, or have him wandering around full sail like they have him doing. And he can just say, hey, Alistair, ah, sorry I tore open your nutsack, buddy. Did did NXT, did WWE, did they all forget somewhere through the years that wrestling moves are intended to hurt your opponent? So maybe when you drop a wrestler, you know, uh, dick first on the guardrail... Maybe it's supposed to cause a lot of damage to that area and to your opponent so you can win the match. And if it if it ends his career or puts him out for a set amount of time, then that's the purpose of, of resorting to such a tactic. So why couldn't they just go with that? Why do they have to bullshit everything? Go okay, that's that that's already a reality we set up, but that's not good enough for us. We have to set up a whole nother reality. It's like, no, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, first of all, uh, to use your phrase dick first, there's <laughs> not a lot of things that one can do dick first. Right. Uh, that don't result in injury. There's a few. Absolutely. There's a few that I actually recommend but uh most whoa. things whoa whoa most things i would not recommend doing dick first uh and secondly <laughs> yes wwe has forgotten uh that they are a company that sanctions fighting and you know how you win a fight by disabling your opponent through brute physical force right And yes, they have completely forgotten about that. And to add even more to that, I go to uh, the reason that uh, I think it was, I think it was Heidi Lovelace, a.k.a. Ruby Riot, uh, who made the comment that forever changed my opinion 
Uh, but no, no, excuse me. It was our dear, close, personal friend, Rich Bocchini, talking about the Ruby Riot name change. Rich was saying, more so than ever, but probably always in the history uh, of the WWE, more than any other wrestling company, WWE is so television-minded that even the name changes are based in their mind, their explanation is that you aren't even yourselves. And it's not necessarily a matter of licensing. It's literally because you're playing a character. Right. A character that looks like you and acts a lot like you, but isn't you. Right. And I I honestly don't know if I could pull that off. There's, there's not a lot of logic to what is done sometimes. Because, I mean, if you say Champa injured Aleister Black in a match that a couple hundred people saw happen, uh, or if you say that... Tommaso Ciampa injured Aleister Black, you know, backstage in a, a random attack. It tells the same narrative, but why would you tell the same story twice? Because <laughs> you, yeah. you, you just did. Uh, so, to me, that that's the biggest what the fuck. Also, I feel so bad for Aleister Black. I mean, not only did he hurt himself, but he's out of the triple threat. I mean, he was basically just kind of, ah, we don't like he was champion. We're going to put it on Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, like, I mean, they didn't really give Aleister Black that much of a chance. He was never made an event as NXT champion. He should have been every time. Um, that's just that's just what you do. You honor your champion. Um, so, again, I feel bad for Aleister Black in those respects. So, Aleister Black is not in the picture. This is straight up Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano, former tag team champions, DIY, the good times, best of friends, best of buddies, and now they're bitter enemies. The Chicago Street Fight was uh, excellent, very well done. Um, to me, though, if they were, if they weren't even sure about putting the belt on Aleister Black, and that wasn't really going to be anything, he was seemed very intermittent. Then Gargano should have just fucking pinned Almas in that goddamn five star match they had, and Gargano could have dropped the belt to Tommaso Ciampa, and this whole time they were feuding the feud would mean even more because the NXT championship was on the line the whole time. And NXT, in a rare misstep, really dropped the ball on that one. And I called that long ago. Long ago. Go back and listen to old episodes, folks. Yeah. And you're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. You made that call a long time ago, and you were right. But I'm still going to place the blame for it firmly on... The reality of the one-hour weekly pre-taped show and the small amount of abbreviated length network specials. There's not. There's simply not enough airtime to tell more complete stories. And for all the good that I think that brings, it brings an awful lot of bad, and particularly in this form. You could have told a, a much more thorough, complete, satisfying Alistair Black story and still told this Champa Gargano story, maybe told a Gargano Almas story. You could have done a whole lot if there were more accessible television, if there were more product with these guys. And I'm not talking about three to five hours a week. I'm not talking about six-hour-long pay-per-views. Just maybe a monthly pay-per-view. Give me six-hour-long pay-per-views. 
If you gave me a six-hour-long pay-per-view with nothing but NXT talent, and that meant, like, we got to see all of these matches, plus a Lars Sullivan match and an Aleister Black match, a Cassius Ono match. You get to see the Coffee Brothers from NXT UK. We get to see Lacey Evans and Nikki Cross. Hell yeah, give me a six-hour NXT pay-per-view. Well, the good thing about NXT is also the unfortunate thing where they're really following, I'm not saying they're doing this on purpose, but it totally is um, what it is. Um, NXT is kind of following the ECW uh, schedule. An hour of television every week, a pay-per-view once every three months, because you get just enough that you're always craving more. With WWE, they fucking beat the shit out of you with... <laughs> with wrestling shows and pay-per-views. All right, all right. So yeah, there's that. You're not you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And the, the model worked for ECW. It's worked so far for NXT. But every now and then it leads to some problem. But who's gonna win this match? Uh Champa's gotta hold on to this belt because this feud's not anywhere near being done, right? Really? Absolutely. Champa didn't win the belt on television, and it'd be spoiled for everyone because the show was taped, you know, weeks before, only for Champa to lose the belt immediately to Gargano. Come on. Come I, on. I just, I just, I love a, a long feud if it's a good one, and this is the definition of a good feud. This is exemplary. But, wh- I mean, where does it go from here? I don't where, know. When do you have your... Like the the next uh, the next one is it before right before Survivor Series? So we have three takeovers before WrestleMania weekend. I don't know. I, I think I it goes know. until Gargano vanquishes Champa and takes the belt from Champa at, at, at the same time. To me, that's the only way this this will ever end. Because, cause, I mean, realistically, it should have ended like one or two matches ago. In that case, like when you have a well, a street I, fight. I agree. Yeah, okay, I can dig that, but I don't think that's happening this show. Just give me, just give me Candice LeRae heel turns Gargano and goes with Champa, and then you have you have the next three months of television written. Well, we'll see. I'm gonna go with Champa as well. So our takeover cards are almost identical, except for the EC3 Dream Match. Uh, we've made all the same picks. So interesting night we have on our hands here. I'm very excited to watch this show. Oh, no, it's going to be a top-notch show. I'm excited about every single one of these matches. So, And so ends Saturday night in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. But that's not all. WWE is not going to pack up the 18-wheelers, the buses, and all of the transpo. No, they're going to stick around for night two of four as SummerSlam 2018 comes to you from the very same venue, the Barclays Center, on Sunday night, the 19th of August, 2018. And uh, they call it the biggest party of the summer. And uh, I don't even like partying in the summer anymore. It's officially too hot and I'm too old. And there is no swimming pool or uh, chilled beverage that can take my mind off of the sweltering heat. Man, we're getting old, because I agree with that completely. The only summer partying I like to do is at Fest Wrestling in Gangsville, Florida, folks. Yeah, indoors with ice-cold Paps Blue Ribbon. Absolutely. Indoor, the, the moon from Star Wars. <laughs> Return <laughs> of the Jedi. <laughs> uh, it's, hey, it's quite a drive. It's quite a drive. 
It is. Uh, but hey, it's all worth it for the forest canopy where the sun cannot penetrate. <laughs> but SummerSlam, it is brought to you by Raw and SmackDown, the red and the blue brands, all of what we call the main roster, all getting together to put on one show, and they're putting on what appears to be 13 big-time matches over the course of many, many hours, as they're now considering this pretty much WrestleMania Jr. Uh, the, the, the day of the show has a full-blown WrestleMania complexion. We have hours of pre-show and hours upon hours of actual show. It's, a, it's an entire day's worth of, uh, of television on the WWE Network. It's definitely going to be a long pay-per-view, that's for sure. I mean, we have three matches in the kickoff show, pre-show, alone, Darren. So uh, let's start there with uh, Cedric Alexander defending his Cruiserweight Championship against Drew Gulak. Again, Cruiserweights, WWE loves them so much that they can never quite break that kickoff show. Uh, it's just the way it is. But uh, I like both these guys. I like Cedric Alexander, very talented guy. Uh, Drew Gulak, I, I like a lot of what he does as well. Very different uh, in their skill sets. Uh, do you think Cedric Alexander is going to hold on to that title? I most definitely think Cedric Alexander is going to hold on to that title. Although I like seeing Drew Gulak get a SummerSlam payday. If I ever see Drew Gulak on the actual main body of the actual show of a major pay-per-view like this, then I'm going to write him a personal letter and say, Hey, Drew Gulak, you did it. <laughs> luckily, Black, l- luckily, a tweet would be just as efficient, Darren. Uh, and no you'd, way. You would no save way, money dude. on postage. You would save money on postage. Hey, I am not going to virtue signal. I am not looking for someone else's approval of my approval of Drew Gulak. It's a message from my heart to his hands. Fair enough. Well, I'm sure that he'll be happy to know that you're such a big fan that you think he's going to lose his match at SummerSlam. <laughs> well, what about you? Are you picking Alexander? I'm picking Alexander to retain. Uh, yeah, Gulak seems kind of like, uh, well, here, here's like a temporary threat until we figure out what to do with you later. Well, they're never going to, if they haven't figured out what to do with Drew Gulak yet, they're not going to, and that's a shame. Whatever. That guy could be a big deal in terms of cruiserweight, I think he could be a big deal in like a, a mid-level title. This is a mid-card guy. I mean, Drew Gulak, I like him. He's never going to main event WWE. But I think he could be a very big, important part of the show if they'd let him loose a little bit. I, but, think, I think he has he has uh, ability. He's got a wrestling mind. I think he's got good ring psychology. The only thing is when you say Drew Gulak, you say it too fast. It sounds like Drew Gulak. Which makes me think of Kubiak from Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Uh, okay. It took us 96 episodes to make a Parker Lewis Can't Lose reference, folks. 96 episodes of the references have gotten the same. <laughs> Kubiak. Yes, that actor, by the way. Kubiak could be, a, he could be the, the WWE champion if he applied himself. He could, you know, the guy who played Kubiak, he's got a real Glenn Jacobs face. He does. He look. I wonder if he is son, if he is son of Kane. Rather, rather, Kane is father of Kubiak. 
Actually, they're probably all, they're probably the same age now that I think about it. Oh man, well that's that's I'm not gonna get because all that. Kubiak was probably about twenty five years old playing a teenager twenty five years ago. Yeah, that that, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense actually. Uh, that takes us to the next match of our uh, pre-show. Does it? It does. It, it does. Kubiak take us to the next match. It does. I, I was following your example when it came to transitions, and we just <laughs> mid conversation. Hey, 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 Perry. Yeah. You did it. Yay. The B team, the team of Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel taking on the Revival, old Dash and Dawson. The Revival. B team has those raw tag team championship belts. I would love for the Revival to get these belts. Um, me too. I, me too. I, I would Hashtag love to. me too. And it, it's, it's not WWE's fault. They, they try to make the Revival a big deal when they first appeared on Raw. But then, you know, Dash got injured, then Dawson got injured. It was like, oh my god. Uh, they were just doomed from the start. So Revival is trying their best to, to make a mark on Raw and, and really make a good impression uh, with the uh, the Raw viewership. Um, but I think the B team, uh, they just got these from a uh, big upset, by the way, beating Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. Um, they haven't had these for very long. I think it's not the right time to drop them to the revival. If that happens, it needs to be if they're gonna if they're gonna make the raw tag team uh, matches happen on kickoff shows. They might as well have any belt changes happen on Raw at least. Um, especially revival winning on Raw would be a big deal for them. One because they're champions. Two because it happens on Raw in front of that Raw audience. So uh, for those reasons, I'd rather the revival win. But because I want it to be a bigger deal for the revival, I say keep it on the B team for now. Uh, yeah, I think uh, what, regardless of what I want, they will be keeping it on the B team for now. I don't like the B team whatsoever. <laughs> I, I liked the Miztourage. Right. First of all, I've never liked Curtis Axel. I don't like oh. any incarnation of Curtis Axel. I'm sorry. Apparently, he's an excellent wrestler. I've never seen proof of that. Um, <laughs> His father, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, is it, it, you know is probably in my top twenty-five all time. So you know, I, I dig uh, Curtis Axel's family lineage. I just the guy does nothing for me. I liked Bo Dallas in NXT. I really, really liked the the weird uh, Bo Leave. I, I, I liked all that. I didn't care about anything Bo has done on the main roster, except for Miz Taraj. Those two dudes following around the Miz, wearing sh- pretty sharp-looking suits, and, and sort of having this tongue-in-cheek uh, swagger about them because they had starred in a straight-to-DVD movie, like that worked. But like B Team was like they took the goofiness and turned it up way too high. And those fake homemade shirts are just loathsome. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the shirts either. You think they would have learned their lesson when they broke the Wyatt family up, when they sent Bray Wyatt to Raw and left Luke Harper and Eric Rowan on uh, SmackDown. They really were like, what do we do with them? What do we do with them? Um, So now that they sent The Miz to SmackDown just so he can finally feud with uh, Daniel Bryan, um, they kind of left the B team behind. Um, I, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of these guys. I don't dislike them. They're kind of filler for me. Like they're they're competent enough to put on a decent match. I love the revival. Uh, revival versus DIY are some of the best matches you will ever see uh, coming out of NXT tag team wrestling. Some, that's some of the best tag team wrestling I think I've ever seen in my life. 
So I completely the, agree. The fact that the revival and shit when the first time DIY fought the revival, um, and then they had they had that match again at the house show we went to in Jacksonville, and it was as good, if not better, than the takeover match. And it was like, oh my god, I paid ten bucks for this, um, right? And, best and, ten bucks I ever spent. Absolutely, I, I will always say it's the best ten bucks I ever spent. Um, so anyway, so it's it's bad to see the revival this way, but I think just keep the belts on the B team for a little while. Um, do whatever you're going to do with the B team now. Let them be champions and and have that little limited run, whatever it is. Get that out of your system and then move on to something else, including the revival becoming the champions. So takes us to a mixed tag match, mixed tag action. Darren, we thought it was dead, but apparently it's alive and well in this one. Um, where Andrade Almas is tagging up with Selena Vega. They're taking on Rusev and Lana. At the very least, I'm I'm very excited about Rusev and Lana being together and wrestling together. Yeah, I'm surprised they, they allude to them knowing each other at all on television anymore. I don't know why they separated the two, so Lana could have a horrible wrestling career. I guess I answered my own question. <laughs> Do you remember watching her at those NXT house shows come out in like an evening gown and do like a weird, like freeform jazz strip tease? Ladies and gentlemen, if you think Shinsuke Nakamura is all entrance, you have not seen Lana's full entrance from those NXT house shows where she's doing some sort of weird Jessica Rabbit uh, ripoff yeah. thing. Oh man, it, it like you actually heard her entire song by the way. She had like a choreographed little dance around to her entire entrance music theme and it took about 5 minutes. Yeah, nobody wants to see that. No. Uh, and then and then for her to be a poor wrestler to boot was like, "Oh my god, like what just happened? Worst 10 bucks I ever spent." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but what I do like to see is, is that Lana got her own Happy Lana Day shirt. Yeah. And uh, and uh, that's pretty cool because Rusev's is, of course, the color of the Bulgarian flag. And Lana's is the color of the Russian flag. Happy Rusev Day. Happy Lana Day. And they stand there next to each other and they look very, uh, very, very discontent. And they, they look very unhappy and it's very funny. I I like the two of them a whole lot. That being said, I actually do like Lana. I just think she needs to train for a couple more years and then try again um, because her wrestling was just definitely not there. But she's wrestling on this show. Uh, we'll see how and, well and she if does. she's going to wrestle, this is the kind of match you need to see her in. Yeah, absolutely. A very, very limited capacity um, <laughs> against these two. Uh, and again, uh, Almas has this... Amazing match with Jonah Gargano. Has a really, really great match with Drew McIntyre. Uh, you know, puts on these really great matches. He's an incredible NXT champion. And then he shows up on SmackDown, and it's just this. I, I don't disagree. <laughs> but I think that uh, regardless that he and Vega win on this night. They have to, right? Don't they? That's all they kind of have to. They do, uh, despite whatever frustrations Vince McMahon has had with Rusev over the years, and apparently there are plenty, um, because Rusev is kind of walks to the beat of his own drummer, and Vince hates that. Uh, (laughs) 
they they seem like they have really gone in on like long term with Rusev and Lana. Somebody likes them a lot because uh, if you look back, they've been around for a long time now, and they've had their ups and their downs and their in betweens. But I really feel like they're protected, so a loss doesn't really hurt their careers. And as they're the heels here, I think Almas and Vega kind of have to go over. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. So that's it for the pre-show. Kickoff show is now done. Now we can watch wrestling begin, folks. The official SummerSlam begins with ten matches. Ten whole matches. First one we're talking about, uh, I, I kind of mentioned before, uh, Daniel Bryan taking on The Miz. This is finally happening. This was a feud being uh, that got started long ago, back when Daniel Bryan wasn't even cleared to be a wrestler. Um, of course, The Miz taking the, the yes kicks and taking a lot of uh, Daniel Bryan's signature offense and incorporating it into his matches and basically saying that they were his moves now. So, I mean, this has just been going on for a long time. Not to mention the Daniel Bryan-Miz blow-up on Talking Smack. Um, a lot of people remember that. And uh, it's finally happening. Well, yeah, and I, I think WWE, th- this is the type of match that WWE needs to really focus on, highlight the shit out of it, uh, play really, really long, detailed, explanatory video packages for. And this here's one you need to push. Cram it down people's throats. People, a lot of people already care. You need to make sure everybody cares because... Uh, go back to what these two represented when we first really see them making a big difference. Go back to the original original NXT, when NXT was a show on the Sci-Fi channel where they had to do a bunch of goofy stuff in addition to wrestling tryout matches uh, before Raw and SmackDown. And then also they would run around, they'd, they'd run obstacle courses. It was sort of a weird hybrid NXT tough enough FCW, what am I looking at? Wild and Variety Crazy Kids. Show. Yeah, and Wild and Crazy Kids, right? And and The Miz uh, was there as Daniel Bryan's mentor because all of the contestants on NXT uh, were called rookies and they were all assigned a mentor. And what irony that Daniel Bryan, a longtime veteran, uh, on all over the world, very successful. Indy Darling uh, was was the quote-unquote rookie uh, under the supervision of The Miz, and they played it for all that it was worth. WWE played it, the announcers played it up, and Miz and Brian both played their parts perfectly. Brilliant booking. This feud is so long in the making, and for a couple of years we thought we would never see it because we thought we'd never see Daniel Bryan wrestling it. So, I hope this is just the start of a very long, intense feud. I hope that this is not its placement on the card. I don't want this to be an opener, because this is the kind of match that I, personally, would like to see main event a WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan versus The Miz for the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship. Book that, and I'll buy my once-in-a-lifetime front-row WrestleMania seat. Wow. Who do you think is going to win this night, though? Well, Daniel Bryan's the heel. And see, that's the weirdest part is because we did not expect that to ever, ever be the case if these two finally entered into a program. 
So that makes me kind of confused as, as how to pick it. Um, I almost think you have to have Brian win here, be sort of like a steamroller heel, uh, and, and Miz kind of has to fight back from underneath because now he's this different person than he used to be. I don't, you know, what do you think? It's tough because their lives are becoming mirror images of each other. They're both wrestlers with wrestler wives who have children, who have reality shows. Um, <laughs> they really need to play that up, that their lives are so similar at this point, um, which they haven't really done a whole lot of that. Um, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I, I I dare say there is no winner in this contest, like or because I mean I do think this has to keep going. This can't be the end of the road for this whole buildup, you know. No, or WWE, right. so you never know. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on uh, Daniel Bryan to go over on the Miz. Um, though I think it's absurd that the that Daniel Bryan is the bad guy and the Miz has been this shitty shitty heel, you know, poking. Daniel Bryan with the stick for years, um, but all of a sudden the roles are reversed right before the match. That makes absolutely no sense. But I'll say Daniel Bryan. What about you? Oh, definitely Bryan. Definitely Bryan. Next up, Finn Balor takes on the Constable Baron Corbin, and I never thought I would care this little about Finn Balor. Boy, they have turned him into clown shoes. Wow. Haven't they? I mean, is this dude anything but clown shoes at this point? Well, he's supposed to be bringing back the demon, right? You think he's going to show up as the demon at SummerSlam? What, what, what did they say that on Raw? Well, he it's it's been alluded to, I think, here and there. I remember something a couple weeks ago was mentioned about him potentially bringing the demon back. Um uh. Because I mean, he needs yeah. that he needs that extra umph to defeat Constable Baron Corbin. Yeah, it makes no sense because Finn Balor defeated Constable Baron Corbin at the last pay per view, and then on Raw they fight again, and he just beats Finn Balor. Um, so now they're fighting again. Like I'm, I'm already tired of this because I don't care about any of this. But uh, well, I don't. I mean, I actually like. I do honestly believe it or not, and I. The, the first week, I wouldn't have thought so. But I actually like Constable Baron Corbin better than Lone Wolf Baron Corbin just sort of hanging out in the background of SmackDown. So so, so you, you think Baron Corbin looks better now than he, than he did in, in NXT? <laughs> yeah, I think he's, he's heavier. Oh, sure. well, well, no, well, no one's saying that he's heavier, folks, just so you know. That's not being said. That's not being said. He's, he has lost weight on his head, though, from shaving his head. Go, I'm going back to the well here. Make Baron Corbin into Kane's son. Oh, my God. Bring Alistair Black to the main roster. Break up Wyatt and Broken or Woken Matt. Make a faction that is Alistair Black, Baron Corbin, son of Kane, and Bray Wyatt, and they are managed by The Undertaker. <laughs> If that does not put butts in seats, then I'm your mother's uncle. Well, Darren, they might be one step ahead of you because they made Baron Corbin a constable and they even made Kane a mayor. So I think they're they're going a different route, but they are putting them together more or less. So 
Though it's not going to be the ministry part two, it's going to be the corporate ministry That's part right. two. That's right. That's right. They're bringing anyone who's got a title into this faction, uh, including Baron Von Raschke. He's going to be in there. <laughs> there. There's an old reference right there. Talking about Ugg and Bug. The Baron was there during those matches as well. But who do you think is going to go over? I think Balor has to win, like because this is such an also ran match. This is a nothing match. Um, Balor has to win just because he's the baby. I'm with you on that. Uh, other than that, I got nothing else to say about it. I'd love to see him come back as the demon, and if he does, it'll make this match matter. If he doesn't, if he just comes out as the squeaky clean Lego putting together, rolling with the punches, sitting in the dollhouse. Like Valor Clubs for everyone, like uh, and and mold mold that old mean guy Baron Corbin. He's so mean. Uh, that's just so dumb. Okay. So dumb and played out. Easy, easy. Don't take it out of me. I didn't book this stuff. The U.S. title is on the line as the champion Shinsuke Nakamura takes on Jeff Hardy. You know, I thought, I thought Jeff Hardy was. Uh, was taking a sabbatical, and that was the explanation for the non-match we had last time. Right. Where's Randy Orton? Did I miss something? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not really sure what's going on at this point. Uh, Jeff Hardy was like, uh, I'm injured. i got to take some time off, but I'll stick around and, and, and whatever. And they're like, oh, okay, uh it's it's really confusing what's going why on. Why bother taking the belt off of him? And why bother involving Randy Orton? And where is Randy Orton on this night? I don't know. I don't know. I, shouldn't this be? I don't know. I feel like I missed something because based on the direction this was headed, it seems like this would be Nakamura versus Orton, or at the most a triple threat: Nakamura, Orton, Hardy. But I damn sure thought Jeff Hardy was going bye-bye after uh, he dropped the belt. I, I actually would be more into this if it were a triple threat with uh, Randy Orton added. Storyline-wise, you know, I don't really care about Randy Orton in general. Um, but um, Shinsuke, I think uh, Jeff Hardy's gotten, gotten the better of Shinsuke on a lot of occasions leading up to this. Um, so hopefully that means Shinsuke is just going to retain the belt. Also, I don't know why you would put the belt on Shinsuke for such a short amount of time, just take it off of him again. And Jeff Hardy is injured in some capacity, so he's not a safe bet to put a belt on. So I think Shinsuke should just hold on to it for now. Yeah, I think Nakamura wins. Speaking of triple threats, they did not believe in the star power of Carmella and uh, Becky Lynch, so they went ahead and added Charlotte Flair to the mix. Uh, Carmella defending her SmackDown Women's Championship in a triple threat match against Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. Poor Becky Lynch. Because um, I thought for sure that meant like, oh, Becky Lynch will uh, will be Carmella. And then that's kind of cool. We mentioned she's been needing something for a while. So Carmella, who has defeated Asuka oh. numerous times to retain the championship, she uh, defends the belt against uh, the person she got it from, Charlotte Flair. And uh, this, this upstart... Uh, this usurper, Becky Lynch. Um, yeah, I thought Becky Lynch might win this one until the inclusion of Charlotte Flair. Now I feel like Charlotte Flair same, and Becky... Same. Yeah, now I feel like Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch are going to cancel each other out, and Carmella's going to kind of moonwalk out of the, rub the rubble. Um, so I'm going to go with Carmella. 
All right. I am also going to go with Carmella. I was tempted to go with Charlotte sneaking in the back door, winning the title, uh, and really infuriating Becky, which would allow for a Becky-Charlotte feud with Becky chasing the belt. And I could still see that happening, but I think they'll do it without the belt. Right. This may lead to a Becky-Charlotte feud where it doesn't have to be about the belt. It'll be a damn good feud. Right. They don't need a, a third person to intervene for Becky to go over on Carmella. They'd make bo- no bones about Carmella being pinned by Becky Lynch. But because they included Charlotte, I do think it's because they want Carmella to win, but Charlotte and Becky still look good, if that makes any sense, because this, totally this third person is involved. So so Carmella has both of our votes, but uh, I'm actually more interested in what happens after this match. It'll be a good match, but I'm, I really want to see what happens with Becky. I need, I need brighter days ahead for Becky Lynch, in my personal opinion. I'm a big fan, and she, she really doesn't get what she deserves. Right. Coming off the heels of a abysmal Iron Man in quotations match, uh, we have Dolph Ziggler defending his IC Championship against one Seth Rollins. Uh, man, I'm I, I still have a really bad taste in my mouth from that uh, the Iron Man match. It was so poorly booked, and it made them both look horrible. Um, th- this one uh, more of the same. It's just a straight up uh, Intercontinental Championship title match. Uh, the only difference is Dolph Ziggler is going to have Drew McIntyre in his corner. Seth Rollins has the newly returned, newly haircutted, added 10 pounds. Oh, no. I said someone gained weight. Oh, God. What have I done? Uh, Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose is back. And a lot of people think he looks a lot like Triple H, um, which they're not totally wrong about that, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I'm not a, not a fan of that haircut. Like I, I liked the, the Dean Ambrose, you know, the lazy laid back look so a lot of people think this might mean a heel turn for old Dean Ambrose he might turn on Seth Rollins well that would make good sense um, because otherwise why is he out there where he's healthy he's back he's at he's with Seth but he's not with Seth this should be a tag team match right Seth Rollins is cursed because Seth Rollins and Ambrose were Raw Tag Team Champions until Dean Ambrose got hurt. In comes Jason Jordan to fill in for uh, Dean Ambrose, who was injured. Then Jason Jordan got injured. Dean needs to stay far, far away from Seth Rollins. That's all I'm saying. Well, yeah. Ziggler is going to win the match because I think that you're right. We're going to see a Dean Ambrose heel turn, and it's going to cost Seth the match. Right. It might not be a full heel turn on the actual pay-per-view, but I think Dean will inadvertently cost Seth Rollins the... Also, why not just wait until SummerSlam to have Ambrose just show up all of a sudden? Like like McIntyre's causing too much trouble, costing Rollins the match, and then Ambrose's music hits. Ugh. Ugh. You can't... Timing. Timing is so important in this business. I don't understand them anymore. Uh, it's because it's run by television writers. Bunch of jerks. Who, who work on a completely different sense of timing. Uh, yeah, Ziggler wins. I think this should be a tag match. That would make the, the heel turn, if it happens, 
by Ambrose all the more important if he were involved in the match and then just all of a sudden, you know, did the old, oh, I'm not going to make a tag and I'm just going to jump down off the apron to the floor and just kind of look up and be like, what, what? <laughs> You're all show and I'm all go, brother. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I don't, obviously we don't want to see Ambrose end up with Ziggler and McIntyre. So what, what's the deal? Like, why is Ambrose going to heel turn Rollins if he does? Yeah, well, that poor, that poor shield reunion was just doomed from the start. (laughs) Roman Reigns getting the mumps and he's out for a while. Ambrose getting injured and he's out and he's out forever. Uh, Crazy times, man. Crazy times. Uh, takes us to Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman putting his Money in the Bank briefcase, which includes his Money in the Bank contract, uh, on the line against Kevin Owens. Excuse me, I think you mean Monster in the Bank? No, I mean Braun Strowman uh, with his Money in the Bank, because I'm not trying to make a new t-shirt, and I'm not Michael Cole, so... It doesn't matter if you're not trying to make a t-shirt, they already have. Oh, okay, okay. I like this match. I like this match just as much as I liked it the last time. I, I dug that cage match, and uh, I'm interested in this match. Kevin Owens is such a good talent on the mic. He's such a good wrestler. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get to see ROH-style wrestling out of Kevin Owens or even his NXT-style stuff, but I'll, I'll take what I can get. Kevin Owens is excellent on the mic, speaking his... Uh, speaking English, which is his second language, um, actually. But uh, uh, against Braun Strowman, it's just the size difference is comical. It makes Owen into this... He's not even a chicken shit heel. He's like straight up Frady Cat heel. Like like it's real life. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big guy, but that guy is a, is a giant. Right. Again, I mean, you don't have to act too much. It's not two equally sized men and one is just terribly afraid of the other just to put the other guy over. It's not hard to be, like, you know, apprehensive about having to face a monster like uh, Braun Strowman in a wrestling match or in any capacity, really. Um, Braun Strowman wins the match because uh, the fact is, if you think Kevin Owens will even smell the Universal title ever again. You are sadly mistaken, and you have not been paying attention to wrestling for a very long time. Um, it's a possibility that Strowman might retain that Money in the Bank contract and even cash it in later in the main event. It's a possibility um, that this is also a nice way, because again, it's television writers reminding you that Braun Strowman has the Money in the Bank contract. What better way than put it on the line during the show and then later cashing it in? So, Strowman wins. Much as love Kevin Owens. Much as love Kevin yeah, Owens. Kevin wins. I am with you. I'm picking Strowman with the only question mark being why so many stipulations that he could lose the money in the bank if he loses in any way. Count out, DQ. I mean, is it just all misdirection, oh. all red herring? They love their stips, Darren. They love them stips. Oh, I, I know, but... Uh, if Strowman just straight up wins the match, but I guess they have to make it—they have to make it look like Kevin Owens could potentially win by saying like, "Oh, Kevin Owens could trick him out of the ring and all this shit." So anyway, whatever. Strowman's gonna win. 
which takes us to the SmackDown Tag Team Title Championship match happening on the actual pay-per-view, so good for them. Uh, the Bludgeon Brothers are defending against the New Day. This is not the first time they face each other. Anytime the New Day has fought the Bludgeon Brothers in the past, it's just been a, a lost cause. It's been really a hopeless situation for the New Day because they've built the Bludgeon Brothers up to be these monsters that just tear everything uh, in their path down. Um, so I don't know why this is happening again. Even though Big E, Big E of the New Day is definitely a force to be reckoned with. Um, it's still, he, he can only do so much against the Bludgeon Brothers. And Kofi weighs 100 pounds soaking wet. Let's be honest. Oh, I mentioned someone's weight again. Oh, God. The Twitter. The, no, please, no. I just, I'm a person. Um, so I don't even know why this is happening. I really, I like the idea of Team Hell No beating the Bludgeon Brothers because they have, like, the, the they're more credible. If, if we were playing a WWE uh, game on PlayStation or Xbox, like, their their ranking would be high enough to defeat the, the Bludgeon Brothers <laughs> uh, computer. Um, some fans will get that. Um, so, yeah, there's no reason for the New Day to win, so I'm going to go with Bludgeon Brothers retaining, right? Even though I don't really, I'm bored by the Bludgeon Brothers being champions. I really am. I'm bored by the two of them. Without good promos, I'm on the edge of being bored. I'm not bored yet because I'm such a fan of Luke Harper. Right. I like Luke Harper so much that I'm willing to overlook the fact that they're not really living up to their potential as characters. They look great, and they're they're kicking ass in the ring. But those characters should be telling all kinds of stories, and they're telling no stories. They're just showing up and putting their fake sledgehammers down and throwing people around. And Yeah, I mean, the brutality, the story of them being just these brutal monsters is, is there. But you need to do a lot more than just have them beat everyone up because that... You've got, yeah, you've got to have a vignette that refreshes that every two to three weeks. Yeah. Something, anything. Just that, coming out with skulls and lamb masks and weird hammers, if we don't have any kind of reason why, eventually you kind of almost stop seeing that. It just kind of fades away. It just kind of blends in with the wallpaper. Yeah, absolutely. We both think the Bludgeons should retain. Uh, this next match has some potential, but I am apprehensive. AJ Styles defending his WWE title against Samoa Joe. Now, we know these guys can put on a Haluva match. Uh, we've seen this from their matches in TNA. Legendary feud uh, from TNA, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. But we also knew that Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles could put on a legendary match. And they basically weren't allowed to. Um, so I'm wondering how good WWE will let this match be. Um, so I'm worried about it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But at the same time, I, I, I have stifled my enthusiasm because I know better at this point. Um, but the question is, does Samoa Joe get this title belt from AJ Styles? Well, here's uh, part of the issue. AJ's had it long enough that I think you could hand it off to Samoa Joe, boost Joe tremendously without hurting AJ. If Joe just gets soundly defeated by AJ Styles, I, I won't argue that it won't push AJ up even further into the stratosphere because it just makes him seem unstoppable. But it definitely doesn't hurt him, and it, and it, and it helps Joe so much. 
for him to win this match. So the problem is, it is the nature of the way WWE books. It's like, are they going to put the belt on Joe? Because that means they're putting the company on Joe. And does Vince McMahon really want to like trot around on Samoa Joe or AJ Styles? First of all, it's a miracle these two are fighting each other in the main event for the WWE title. Right. Because this match should definitely be happening in the Impact Zone in Orlando, Florida. Right. It's, it's, it's not a main event. There's no way it will be. But, I mean, ever since AJ's even had the title, his matches have not been main events. So it's almost like as good as an Intercontinental Championship at this point in their eyes. So it kind of doesn't matter who's champion as far as, like, it's not going to be their faces on the poster. <laughs> so <laughs> what does it really matter? Um, but, I mean, again, this this just echoes from the Shinsuke-AJ feud where it's like, if you're going to put over Joe over AJ, then why didn't you put Shinsuke over AJ and uh, I don't know. I'm so bitter about that. Don't 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 talk to me, folks. Um, but I I don't think they're going to make any big changes here. They're not going to take any chances. They're going to keep playing it safe and keep the belt on AJ Styles. All right. Well, there we've got a big disagreement. We shall see on Sunday night. Will it be Samoa Joe? Will it be the phenomenal one? Uh, any given Sunday, Perry. Any given Sunday. That's right. Or That's Saturday, play the game. or or any given Saturday for NXT fans. Alexa Bliss defending her Raw Women's Championship against Ronda Rousey. Poor Nia Jax <laughs> left in the in the rearview mirror. Um, I, I know, and she she wasn't a great champion, and someone of Nia Jax's size should never be a face. She needs to be a heel perpetually. Um, so, <laughs> and then that's just what I'll say about Nia Jax. I mean, they gave Nia Jax half a chance. They got the belt back on Alexa immediately. Um, so this is a match that people have been looking forward to. Alexa Bliss is so good at talking shit. Um, and she's been talking a lot of shit uh, on Ronda Rousey. And uh, this is the actual uh, physical confrontation. But is it the time that they put the belt on Ronda Rousey? Is it too soon? What do you think, Darren? It's too soon. Ooh. And they're going to do it. Oh, I think that no. it's too soon, and they're going to do it. Um, I think they are itching for Ronda Rousey to either be holding and defending or challenging for the Raw Women's title at WrestleMania. And the first step to that is her winning it right now. Maybe she loses it before Mania and then is chasing it, but I don't think her first title chase should culminate in WrestleMania. Wow. Uh, there's a big factor here. If this somehow becomes the main event of SummerSlam, I see Ronda Rousey going over. If it is not the main event, then I see Alexa Bliss retaining. I don't think this will be main event, so I don't think they're going to put that women's championship around Ronda Rousey's waist. I'm going to go with Alexa. Uh, okay. Well, um, I definitely don't think this will be the main event simply because of Brock Lesnar. And I think that when it's all said and done, if this is not Brock Lesnar's last ever WWE match, it is among the dwindling few. And, uh, <laughs> so they're going to let Brock be in the main event. 
And if Roman's going to win it, they damn sure want that to be in the main event. Well, we're talking about so, it now, then. That's the last match we have to talk about. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for that Universal title. Grown. Uh, a belt Brock Lesnar has held since last WrestleMania. Oh, no, 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 not the last WrestleMania. The WrestleMania before the last WrestleMania. He's held it for a very long time. This is not the first time Lesnar has fought Reigns. Everyone's so tired of the idea of this match. And uh, here we are. It is the event of SummerSlam. Uh, there, there's some interesting things going on, though. The whole Paul Heyman thing. Uh, Brock kind of turning on Paul Heyman, his advocate, for so long. Um, so that there is a bit more story element there. Uh, we don't really know where Paul Heyman's at, if he's going to help Roman Reigns in some way going into this match. Um, so that, that's that's kind of interesting, but, I mean, Lester's got to train for his UFC fight. Like, there's other shit that he needs to do. He needs to go. But you the fight, have to get the belt off of Brock. You have to get the belt off of Brock. Bring the you have belt. To, let, me, let me say it again. You have to get the belt off of Brock. Right, bring the belt back to television. We've been saying that forever. And I think this is the night where they finally break us for... God, four years now, almost five years, WWE has been waterboarding us uh, <laughs> with Roman Reigns, and I think this is—I think this is where it happens. I think that for all the false starts and the bait and switch and the teasing, here's where it happens. Here's the coronation. Brock's going bye-bye. Brock's going back to the octagon, and Roman is set to be coronated. What's sad is WWE fans won't be happy if Lesnar retains because he is an absent champion. WWE and that's fans, fair. I feel that way too. That is fair, and I agree with that. WWE fans won't be happy if Roman Reigns wins because people just don't want to see him as champion. And that's fair. And that's fair. And that's how I see it. The only way you can make everyone happy is if Reigns beats Lesnar. And when Reigns, soon as Reigns <laughs> puts his hands up in victory and holds that Universal Championship over his head, Braun Strowman's music hits. Braun Strowman cashes in the money of the bank and immediately pins Roman Reigns for the championship. Because that way, you get Reigns going on Lesnar. That finally happens. But the belt is on Strowman. Okay, or uh oh, Kevin Owens. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Kevin Owens wins the Money in the Bank earlier in the night, and he cashes in. Do you think they would let no. Owens go over on either Reigns or Lesnar? Of course not. I don't think that for a second. I know. I just had to. I, I had to verbalize exactly that. Exactly what I would book. Right. Right. Of course. Um, no, I like that idea, and I think that that is very cool, very believable. It gets the briefcase out of Braun's hands, gets the belt into Braun's hands, and everybody can get these hands. <laughs> right. But officially, what is the pick? Between, again, Strowman aside, that technically doesn't matter in the situation. Right, we're not picking that. We're that, talking about Lesnar versus Reigns here, hopefully for the last time. I think fans might actually mutiny against WWE if, <laughs> if, if this isn't the last time we see this goddamn match. I'm going to say Reigns finally wins over Lesnar. I'm going to say the same thing. 
All now, right. what happens from that point forward? I don't know, but I'm definitely going to say Reigns wins. It's the right thing to do because Lesnar's stepping out. You have to put it Reigns is. over, and I, I, it hurts me to say I it. The, oh, for sure, it hurts. It, it's the right thing to do to take the belt off of Brock. It's terrible. It's tragic that Roman's the one who's taking the belt and putting it on himself. I hate it. <laughs> But honestly, I like it more than I like Brock retaining. Yeah, absolutely. at this juncture. Yeah, no, no, it's something new. It's something borrowed, and they're gonna be black and blue after this fight's over. Because that's it for SummerSlam, ladies and gentlemen. Those are our picks. That is our head-to-head. Head-to-head. And uh, it's all over the place. We're gonna see who does the best on the next episode. We promise we'll be back next week, folks. That's right. But are you excited for this weekend? Are you excited about TakeOver? Are you excited about SummerSlam? Let us know. How can you do that? There's a lot of ways to do it. Find us on Twitter at Ref and Show Podcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We would appreciate that. Send us a Gmail if you want. The whole Ref and Show at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or, or find us on Instagram. At the whole Reffin show. Lots of pretty pictures to go around. Come give us some likes. Leave us some comments. Keep up with the latest news, the latest wrestle news and wrestle views in all of the weird, wacky, wild world of professional wrestling on the whole Reffin show's Instagram. That is correct. We're going to discuss all the fallout from SummerSlam TakeOver Brooklyn next week, folks. We hope you will join us on the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole ref and show. By the way, my name is Perry Smith. And my name is the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley, replete with bump card. (laughs) That's right, folks. And until next week, we shall see you. Take care of yourselves. So long, folks. Bye.